Good morning, Altoona Regular Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us this morning as we gather together around the Word of God. It is Sunday morning, March 29th, and we'll be in Joshua 24. Joshua 24. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn over there with me right now. If you do not have a Bible, I'd encourage you to get up and go and grab a Bible and turn to Joshua 24 so you can join us and you can follow along. Joshua 24. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word that is powerful. For your spirit that is in us and is at work through your word. And even this morning as we turn our attention to Joshua 24, may you work in each and every one of us. May you challenge us. May you change us for your glory. May we be open to your spirit's work within us. May distractions fade away even as we are sitting at home or wherever we may be. And may we focus in on the truth of your word. And we pray that you would give me boldness and authority to proclaim uh, your message this morning with clarity. And guide our thoughts and guide our time together this morning. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Joshua 24. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, to Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt, and you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hands that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam the son of Beor to, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. 
And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we, that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites, who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and incline your ear to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being one hundred and ten years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Sarah which is in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. The bones of Joseph, with the children, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem, and the plot of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for one hundred pieces of silver and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eleazar the son of Aaron died, and they buried him in a hill belonging to Phinehas his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. As we turn our attention to Joshua 24 this morning, there's a saying that I often heard growing up, and it went like this, Your walk talks, and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. The simple truth that that saying is communicating is this. When you say something with your mouth, but your actions say something different, your actions are what is communicating more than your words. It's important what you do, not just what you say. As we come to Joshua 24 this morning, it's important to notice that what makes Joshua's speech so powerful here is not Joshua's personality. It's not, it's not the, the powerful words with which Joshua delivers this speech. What makes it so powerful is the fact that Joshua's walk, 
his life matched his message. And we see that all throughout Joshua. Joshua's willing to go first. He's willing to speak up. He's willing to follow the Lord. And because he does that, the people do that. And as we look at Joshua 24 this evening, we'll see he does that even all the way up to death. This morning in Joshua 24, we'll see a call to faithfulness, a commitment to faithfulness, and a legacy of faithfulness. Our first point this morning is a call to faithfulness. A call to faithfulness. And we see that in Joshua 24, verses 1 to 15. First thing we see here in the first uh, verse is that Joshua calls the people together. It says, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel, of Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel, for their to, to Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. It is clear that this, this gathering that Joshua is calling together is, is a unique gathering. There's something special that is going on here. The first clue to that is the fact that they're gathering at Shechem. Shechem has played an important role in Israel's history to this point. It was at Shechem in Genesis 12 verses 6 to 7 where God promised Abraham that his descendants would inherit the land. It's also here at Shechem in Genesis 33 verse 20 where Jacob built an altar when he returned to the promised land. And then, just a few chapters earlier, in Joshua 8, verses 30 to 35, it is at Shechem where Joshua and Israel gathers as they renew their covenant with God. So clearly, this place where they are gathering once again has played an important role in their history. This is an important gathering. It's unique. The other clue is at the end of verse 1, where, where it says, They presented themselves before God. See, Joshua, as he first speaks here, he is speaking not just as a leader, he's speaking as a prophet. Look what verse 2 says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. As Joshua speaks in these first several verses, he is speaking for the Lord. This is God speaking through his servant. So Joshua gathers the people together for this important uh, gathering, this important meeting. And then Joshua goes on, speaking for the Lord, to rehearse to the people all the works that God has done. God, as he works his way through here, speaking through Joshua, says, I chose you, I preserved you, I guided you, I gave you the land. Everything that you have is because of who I am. It's because of what I have given you. Look at how it begins. Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river at old times, and they served other gods. They weren't looking for me. They weren't out searching for me. They were content where they were. I went to them. I found them. I sought them out. I called them. It is God who called His people. It is God who then blessed them, who made promises to them, and then who fulfilled those promises. What God is saying here is, is you are gathered here today, you are standing here as a nation in this land, not because of who you are, but because of who I am. I have done this. 
I took your father Abraham. I led him. I multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac. Moves on to the next generation. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. It goes to, to, to Egypt. I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt. I brought you out. I delivered you from the armies of Pharaoh. And then I brought you into the land. I gave your enemies into your hand. I destroyed them. As people came against you, Balaam, I would not listen to him. I delivered you from his hand. I delivered all your enemies into your hand. In fact, as you went to battle, I went before you. I sent the hornet before you. The idea is, is, is it could be literal hornets that went and drove them out. Or it could be just, just fear going as a hornet before the army. God went before them. I gave you a land for which you did not labor, cities for which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat in vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Look how I have blessed you. So come to verse 14. It's now Joshua speaking for himself. He draws this conclusion. He calls the people to action. Now, therefore... Because of who God is and because of all that God has done, now therefore fear the Lord. Fear Him. Give Him the honor, the respect that He deserves. Approach Him rightly for who He is. Fear the Lord. Not only that, but then serve Him in sincerity and truth. Serve Him not, not just with your actions, but from your heart. Serve Him as He has told you to serve Him. Obey. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river. Put them away. At the end of verse 14, He comes to this conclusion. You can, you can almost see Him pleading with the people of Israel saying, Serve the Lord! And serve Him alone. It goes on in verse 15, But... And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. If it seems wrong to you, if you'd say, I don't, I don't want to serve the Lord, the reality is you're going to serve someone. And so if you're not going to serve the Lord, then choose from these other options. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the, the gods of your fathers on the other side of the river? The gods from who, from who God called Terah and Abraham out from? Are you going to serve the gods of these, of these armies which you have destroyed? Clearly, God has shown himself to be superior. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. And if you won't serve him, you, you've got to serve someone. Who are you going to serve? Joshua here steps up. As a leader, he not only talks the talk, but he walks the walk. And he says, whoever you serve, that's your business. But as for me in my house, as for me and those who are under my authority, we will serve the Lord. That's not up for discussion. We've made our decision. Joshua, as leader, is doing the right thing. He is stepping forward. He's declaring his faith, his commitment to God. And by his commitment, he's calling all of Israel to join him in this commitment. Will you join me in serving this God and following him and him alone?
So in verses 1 to 15, we see a call to faithfulness. A call to faithfulness in the first 15 verses. As we come to verses 16 to 28, we see a commitment to faithfulness. The people respond. Verse 16 starts in this way, So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. The Lord our God is He who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt. In the next few verses they go to, to explain. We, we recognize that it's God who's done this. We recognize that we are here today, that we are who we are today, not because of us, but because of God. We recognize that. Therefore, the end of verse 18, we also, with you, Joshua, and your family, we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. It seems like an encouragement. They're, they're following Joshua. They're their they're, they're strong leader. But Joshua's response in verses 19 and 20 kind of catches off guard. So you would think at this point that Joshua would, would jump for joy and say, Praise the Lord! But look instead what Joshua says here. Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do harm and consume you after He has done you good. As we read that, we we're thinking, What's wrong with you, Joshua? Why would you question them? They just committed to serve the Lord. This is a good thing. But you see, Joshua has seen this before. In Exodus 19.8, as they're at Sinai, and God has made this covenant with them, and God comes to them, and He makes these promises to them, and the people say, all these things that the Lord has said we will do. The language is very similar to what it is here. And it seems like they're going to obey the Lord. They're going to, to, to keep this covenant. And yet just a few weeks later, just a few weeks later, we find them serving a golden calf that they themselves have made. How could they fall so far in just a few weeks? Joshua has seen this before. And he doesn't want to see it again. So even now, as they say, yes, we will serve the Lord, Joshua says, hold on a second. Joshua is not saying here, God can't forgive you, God won't forgive you. But what Joshua is saying here is, do not make a commitment lightly. If you're going to make a commitment here to God, be serious about it. Don't walk into this commitment half-hearted. It's better to not make a commitment at all than to half-heartedly make a commitment. That's their problem. He's seen it in the past and he doesn't want to see it in the future. He's not, he's not saying, I don't want you to follow me. He's saying, I do. I want you to be committed to God like I am, but I want you to be committed. I want you to mean it, not just from your, your, with your words, but with your actions. Verse 21 and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. This time we mean it. This time we will. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves. You have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve Him. You're a witness. 
You're here today. You've heard you say this. You've heard your neighbor make this commitment. Hold each other accountable. You are witnesses to yourselves. You're witnesses to each other. And they said, we are witnesses. Verse 23, then Joshua calls them to immediate action. If you really mean this, then take action. Put pen to paper. Put away the foreign gods which are among you. Already in the time that they have been in the land, the short 30 years or whatever it may have been, already the people who they did not drive out as they should have influenced them. Already they've started worshiping these other gods. And Joshua here says the first step to this commitment is to get rid of those gods. Put them away. And incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. People respond once again, the Lord our God we will serve, and His voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance at Shechem. As we come to verse 26, we see another monument. There's nine monuments that we've seen throughout Joshua. All throughout, Joshua wants these monuments to stand as testaments to, to the faithfulness of God and the commitment that, that these people have made. As he puts up this large stone, every time they walk this way, every time they see this stone, they will be reminded of this covenant that they have made. Every time they come to Shechem and they see this stone, they will be able to say to their children, look at this covenant that I made. This is what it means. You too must obey the Lord. It's a witness to stand up and to testify to their commitment. In verse 28, so Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. They've come together as a nation. They've looked back on the goodness, the faithfulness, the greatness of their God. And they've made a commitment to follow this God. And so they go home to their houses to take those first steps that they've committed to taking. To obey the Lord. A call to faithfulness and a commitment to faithfulness. A call to faithfulness, a commitment to faithfulness, and in Joshua 24, 29-33, a legacy of faithfulness. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Sarah, which is in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gash. Joshua, the son of Nun, died. What's interesting here, and something that you would likely just read over and not notice, is the name that's used here for Joshua. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord. If you remember in Joshua 1, the first verse of Joshua 1, Moses is called the servant of the Lord. And this is the first time here in verse 29 of chapter 24 of Joshua, the first time in the whole book that Joshua is also called the servant of the Lord. The implication is clear. Joshua has been a faithful servant of God. He truly is a servant of the Lord like Moses who came before him. And what an honor it is for Joshua to be referred to in this way as the servant of the Lord. So he dies. 
and he's buried. And verse 31 kind of gives Joshua's legacy. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. All the days of Joshua. Because of Joshua's faithful obedience to God. Because, because Joshua served the Lord, so the people served the Lord. That speaks a lot to who Joshua was, to his faithfulness, to his obedience, that, that all the days of Joshua, Israel served the Lord. Not only that, but look at the next phrase. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. Those elders to who Joshua is speaking in chapter 23, and he calls them to faithfulness, to lead the people to faithfulness. Those who were closest to Joshua, who knew him best, even after Joshua died, they continued to serve the Lord. And Israel, in their example, continued to serve the Lord. All those who had known the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Joshua was a faithful servant of God. He served the Lord all the days of his life. And Joshua's successful leadership is not a testament to his personality. It's a testament to his faith. It's a testament to his example that, that he not only spoke the words, but he walked the walk. And because of his impact, his example reached far beyond his 110 years. He left a legacy of faithfulness. As you go on to the end of the book, we see two uh, other examples. The faithfulness of God. As, as Genesis ends and, and Joseph is carried out, his bones are carried out, he makes that request to be buried in Israel. So here at the end of Joshua, his bones are buried. The faithfulness of God, not only coming out of Egypt into the conquest, into the desert, and now he's laid to rest. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died. They buried him in the hill belonging to Phinehas, his son. As the end of Joshua comes to a close, so the generation of the conquest is coming to a close. And what an impact that these men have made. A few years ago, I sat down when I was in college, and I, I wrote out a bucket list. Several things that I wanted to accomplish in my life. I wrote things like go to a North Carolina Duke game. I wrote things like go to, to the Super Bowl. I wrote things like, like I'd like to shoot under 80 in golf. A few years ago then, not that long ago, I went back and I was re-looking at reviewing my bucket list and God had done a mighty work in my life and a lot had changed and as I looked at that bucket list I realized that my priorities my hopes my dreams had changed you see when I come to the end of my life And when it's my turn to lay in that casket, and when they lower me in the ground, and they put a tombstone above me, I don't want that tombstone to say, here lies someone who was good at golf. 
Here lies someone who, who was able to go to a Duke, North Carolina game. Who was able to sit on the front row at the Super Bowl. I don't want that tombstone to say anything about neat experiences I may have been able to have. When it comes my time to die and, and they put something on my tombstone, my legacy, what will it be? I want it to say, here lies a faithful follower of God. Here lies a man who raised his family, who discipled his children. And they are still serving the Lord. A man whose, whose, whose legacy has reached not just to one generation, but two, three generations. I want to have a legacy like Joshua. A man who was faithful all the days of his life, not just in his words, but in his actions. So we come to a close, just a few more points of application. And the first point of application I'd like to, to draw your attention to this morning is this. Just as Israel looked back on all that God had done, and just as they realized that, that it was God who picked them, it was God who drew them, it was God who pursued them, so it is with us. Your salvation is not of your own work, it is of the work of God. Ephesians 1, verses 4 to 6, I'm going to read it really quickly, says this, starting in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. See, brothers and sisters, you were not searching for God. In fact, Ephesians 2 goes on, and Ephesians goes on in chapter 2 to say, not only were you not searching for God, but you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead. You were not only not moving toward God, you weren't moving at all. You had no desire for God, and yet God reached out to you. He sought you. He called you to life, to faith in Christ alone. God chose you, God pursued you, God saved you. Praise the Lord this morning that God reached out to you even when you were not reaching out to Him. And if you've never placed your faith in Christ, then I would call you this morning to do that. Turn from your sin. Read Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 10. Turn from your sin and turn to Christ. Recognize that you are a sinner, that your sins separate you from God, and then turn to Christ and say, God, forgive me. Save me. Change me. And He will do that. First point of application, it's not you who have reached for God, it is God who has reached for you. Secondly, just as Joshua calls the Israelites out for their phony commitment, so I would call to you this morning, if you're going to be committed to God, be committed. Get past cliche answers and be honest with yourself. Don't serve God half-heartedly. Don't, don't float through the Christian life in a half-hearted manner. Rather, this morning I would call you to repentance. I would call you to, to wake up. 
Be committed to Christ. Philippians 2.12, Paul says this, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. trembling. This is a matter to be taken seriously. Similar, Peter in 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Be all the more diligent because of all that God has done for you, because of how He's equipped you, what He's done for you in Christ. Be diligent. I would call you this morning, brothers and sisters, to be diligent. Follow the Lord. And finally, our final point of application is this. What legacy are you leaving? If you were to die today, what legacy would they write there on your tombstone? Here lies a man who was a good golfer. Here lies a man who was, who was great at building things. Will any of that matter? What legacy are you leaving? What will you leave behind? Serve the Lord. Be faithful to Him and to Him alone. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we praise You this evening for you, who You are. Truly, You are a great God. And we thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ, for reaching out to us even when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. And yet You loved us. And you sent your Son to die for us, to give us life if we will but believe. I pray that as we go forward that this would be a wake-up call to us this morning. That we would readjust and we'd be committed to Christ. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ.